Good evening, everybody, and welcome to episode 139 of the Ask the Coach Show, where Ping Skills helps you improve your table tennis. 139 is the 34th prime number, and it is a twin prime with 137. The drill of the week today is short pushing inspired by Australian Open winner Ai Fukuhara. In the questions, we talk about how to play like the men's Australian Open winner, Jung Young-sik. We talk about reading the spin on serves, attacking high balls with backspin on them, the difference rubbers make, and getting the starting position right on your forehand. I'm Jeff Plum, and as always, with me is Super Coach Alois Rosario. Welcome, Alois. Yeah, thank you, Jeff. And uh, yes, still uh, still chatting about the Australian Open. I uh, have some good memories there. Yeah, I mean, it was impressive, wasn't it, to see um, the quality of the players in Australia. So, um, yeah, hopefully we get even more um, players next year, Alloys. Yeah, and it was on um, on Fox Sports um, today in Australia, so uh, which was good, good to see. Indeed, indeed. All right, well, um, because it is um, it is Wednesday. We have the drill of the week, Alois. What is the drill of the week today? Yeah, so drill of the week is an interesting one. It's short pushing. So just pushing the ball backwards and forwards, um, short and anywhere. This is a really important drill. Once, you, once you've established the basics, the short pushing drill is really important um, at the next level to be able to keep the ball short and tight to keep your opponent away. And what... What inspired us to put this um, drill in for this week was we were watching um, Ai Fukuhara before she played her semi-final match on the Sunday morning. And the first thing she did, so she did, first up she did probably half an hour to 45 minutes of warming up, stretching, uh, getting her body ready. And then the first drill that she did was was just short pushing um, to her partner. Um, she did that for maybe five minutes or so, uh, just continuously short pushing and just getting the touch. So before she started doing any forehands or backhand counter hitting or topspin, that's what she started with. And interesting because in a match situation, that is the thing that you really um, find is critical, uh, whether you can keep that ball short, keep that ball tight. <clears throat> and I remember seeing this for the first time. Um, it was actually some North Korean players, uh, Lee Gun Sang, and I can't remember the other player that he was training with. Um, and it was at uh, maybe at a Worlds or a Nation Championships, and I remember uh, them specifically going out, and the first thing they did was just push, 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 and keeping the ball short. So, yeah, it was really, um, really interesting to see Fukuhara do that on Sunday again. Haven't seen much of it, but I think it's a really great idea especially uh, late in a tournament, you know. So late in a tournament, you've already played for a few days, you know the conditions, you know the feel, you've done this and this a thousand times. It's just a matter of getting that touch and the feel right. So, yeah, really, really good to see. Yeah, it certainly was. And it goes to show you that it's not all about power, even though Fukuhara's backhand was amazing, but you need that touch to get you into a good position in the rally. So, um, yeah. Well done, Fukuhara, uh, for inspiring us. And for everyone else out there, go out and try short pushing, the drill of the week. 
All right, Alois, let's move on to the ping skillers question of the day from yesterday, which was, what was the standout performance at the World Tour Australian Open? Yes, so um, we did have a few comments on uh, on the, um, <coughs> the Facebook page. So um, Brendan said uh, Jung's explosive backhand shots and uh, Noel said the Fukuhara train, don't get on it. So, uh, yeah, Fukuhara's backhand to me, well, probably Fukuhara and Jung's backhands were the strokes that really um, stand out to me um, from uh, the, the Sunday especially. Yes, and uh, don't forget that uh, Philip Boyles said the commentary, Alois, I think maybe with a touch of sarcasm. Yeah, yeah perhaps, yes. But Dita, <laughs> yeah, Dita did uh, enjoy the commentary too, so um, that was good Good to see. Uh, Dita did um, mention our pronunciation of Newtink yesterday. So uh, luckily, well, sort of luckily, um, Cedric didn't make the uh, semi-final, so we didn't have to use his name during the commentary. But uh, <clears throat> Dieter gave us a little bit of advice last week about uh, how to say his name. And yeah, I think it's more Neutink. Neutink. <laughs> Neutink. Neutink. So all you Dutch people out there, you're probably laughing your heads off right now. But Cedric, Neutink. Um Yes, he did it all right too. Excellent. That that reminds me of another name you had trouble pronouncing once upon oh, a time, Alois. Oh, not Omanoyidam Hajivazalu. That's the one indeed. And if you've never seen this video, I'm going to have to put a link in the show notes to it. It is definitely worth watching. Got to watch it. So check out our blog, find the show, look at this video. Very funny. All right, uh, moving on. The Ping Skillers question of the day is, what wheelchair table tennis rules do you know? So again, you can post a comment on our Facebook page, on our blog, YouTube channel, wherever you like. Get involved and let us know what wheelchair table tennis rules do you know? Yeah, so um, para-table tennis is really growing. And, um, I mean, it's already a a very established and strong um, part of table tennis, and um, yeah, interesting to see how much um, our uh, our viewers know about the um, well the wheelchair rules, but then perhaps also the the standing rules as well. So in para table tennis, tell us what you know. Indeed. All right. Um, and before we get onto the questions, allies, just want to encourage people to head to our website, pingseals.com, and sign up for our free account, and you'll get a free weekly newsletter with lots of great table tennis tips. You'll be able to ask the coach questions, comment on questions and blogs. So, yeah, head over to pingseals.com and get your free account today. All right. First question, Alois, is from Noel. And uh, Noel has asked this question using the Google Plus um, Q&A app. So, again, you can find that by going to our website, pinkskills.com, clicking on the little Google Plus logo at the bottom, and then you'll see our shows. Click on the Q&A app, and you can ask us a question live on the show like Noel has done. And he says, hello, coaches. How can I play like Jung Young Sik? 
He was attacking almost every serve. The second ball, attack. Wow. Yeah. So, um, as we said at the top of the show, <clears throat> his backhand was amazing. And he utilised it both with the return of serve. So he was really utilising his wrist. Anything that was even short, he was just getting in there and ripping up on the back of the ball or just ripping over the ball um, with his backhand. So if you want to play like Jung Young Sik, uh, the first thing is think about developing your backhand and developing your stroke um, there. But uh, really important, when you're pl- watching players like Jung Young Sik, that you don't go there immediately. Like, I mean, his table tennis ability has come over a long period of time. To be able to play that backhand um, top spin off the short serve or, you know, off the off the fastball takes a lot of practice and a lot of ability too. So tread, tread carefully when you're starting to think about trying to play like someone like him because uh, it's, it's, a, it's a fair task. And yet... And you're more likely to throw yourself into more errors rather than becoming stronger at the game. So, yeah, just have, have a think about um, where you go with your game. And don't try to play necessarily all the time like Jung Young Sik because you might just end up missing every ball. Indeed. So it's a good point, Alice, because we encourage people to watch the top table tennis players because it's helpful for our game. But um, so how do we balance you know, watching them and trying to be like them with improving our game. Yeah, so there's a lot of other aspects to Jung Yong-sik, um, I suppose, that, that we can just take directly. You know, um, his movement, his his legs, his um, his ability to, um, to read the play, all those sorts of things. Just that one particular aspect of his game, you know, his backhand with the really um, whippy, rippy wrist um, is probably difficult to emulate straight away. You're muted, Jeff. There we go. Can you hear me now? I can, yes. There you go. Well, I was just saying thanks, Noel. Good to see you watching those top players and thanks for the question. All right. Um... Now, Diodone has also jumped on, Alois, and asked some questions with the Google Plus Q&A app. He says, I enjoy your podcasts. It would be nice if you could add a header and or a Google Calendar to your website where you indicate what days and times the Hangout is on. Good idea. Thank you for the suggestion. We'll have to look at how we can do that. He's got a question, though. He says, what advice would you give on returning fast, deep serves, especially to the backhand? Yeah, so <laughs> when the um, when the serve comes fast and deep to the back end, a couple of things. One is um, if you if you're seeing that ball come fast, hang on, that's better. If you see yeah, if you're seeing the ball come fast at you, then you need to um, just take a little step backwards. If you take a little bit of a step backwards, then you'll start to um, see the ball a little bit. Um, better, you'll be able to give yourself a bit more time to play your stroke. The other thing is that the stroke then needs to be quite vertical because the ball's coming straight at you. Um, if you play, try to play too much forward, you're going to find the ball will go straight into the net off, the, off that fast serve. Because it's fast, it digs into your rubber quickly and comes out quickly. So if you aren't lifting it more vertically, 
you're not going to get the lift. The ball's just going to come straight out and down into the net. Very good. And I think we've actually got um, a Ask the Coach video response to a very similar question. So I'll dig that one up and put that in the show notes for you, dear Donne. All right. Now, dear Donne's got a second question. He says, hello again, Jeff and Alois. I feel like I push too much in my game. Do you recommend taking more risks by looping in order to develop a more aggressive game? Yeah, as a, as a basic tactic, if, if the player plays long to you, then that's your cue to make your top spin. So definitely, if, you, if you're pushing two or three long balls, um, it's going to be hard to progress up to the next level because if you're doing that, you're allowing your opponent to make the first attack. So, yes, if, if, you, if you get an opportunity with the ball long, think about making that top spin. Yeah, indeed. And I guess, Alice, in games, you can do that. But also in practice is like an ideal way to, you know, develop that skill. Yes. So um, recognising when when the ball is short and when it's long is probably the first thing. So um, just practising some pushing and try to recognise when your opponent's push is coming long. So long means that it's only going to bounce once on your side of the table before um, dropping off the end. So when, once you start to recognise that, then you can start to think about implementing the top spin off the, lock, off the longer balls as soon as you recognise that longer ball. All right, dear Donna, hopefully that helps you out. Um, yeah, good luck developing that stroke because it really is critical um, to improving your game. So keep working on it and you'll see the results come. All right, Ilya has a question. He says, what would you do on service receive if after watching the contact with your racket, you think it's one kind of spin while the trajectory on the ball suggests that it is a different spin? What would you trust more? Um, I would trust what actually happens after it hits my bat. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, you've just got to go with instinct in that situation. I would trust... I would trust. I don't know. I don't, I don't know whether I trust the flight or the, the contact. That's a, it's an interesting question. Um, I'd have to have a think about it. Probably, probably the flight. Yeah, I think uh, I think you're kind of in trouble if you think it's one thing and then it's in flight. It suggests another. I. It's hard to picture, isn't it? But I think I would go with the flight and change my mind on it. Yeah, um, that's but, my gut instinct. Yeah, but the uh, the ultimate feedback is when it hits your bat and it slides into the net or flies up or or it actually goes back the way that you think. So, yeah, uh, more experience required. That's it. Indeed. And, Alice, you always stress that it is important to take note of that actual physical feedback feedback of the ball coming off your bat. Yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, um, a lot of players don't do that. A lot of players, you know, after they hit the ball and they make a mistake, they sort of... They just, the only thing that they're thinking about is, oh, I've made a mistake, rather than actually watching the mistake. Watch what happens and really um, get that feedback back into your head of what's happened to the ball. All right. Excellent question, Ilya. And uh, good luck on um, improving that service return. It is a tricky part of the game. Next question is from Nick, who says, I have an opponent who often sends me high backswing balls. 
If I try to push, it goes off the table. If I try to smash, it goes into the net. I can't do a loop to reverse the spin. I am not good enough to do that. It is really frustrating. Do you have any advice for Nick? Yes. Um, this, this, is, this is one we get all the time. This is such a common problem. So don't think you're alone. That's the first thing. When that ball goes up high and it's got a lot of backspin, the number of people I've seen that do this and dunk it into the net is amazing. But it's, it's, it's a really natural reaction. So when the ball's up there, the first thing you want to do is hit it flat. Really important when the ball's up there and you recognise that it's got a lot of backspin on it, that you still need to brush the ball. So you still need to lift that ball a little bit. Because if you, as soon as it touches your bat flat like that, it's going to dive down. The backspin's going to take effect and it's going to dive down into the net. So even though it's up high, you still need to lift and and um, grip that ball over the net rather than letting it dive into the net. Indeed. And I guess, you know, Nick's saying, I'm not good enough to loop the ball to reverse the spin. But I, I guess that's something that you can definitely learn. And we've got a video on the forehand top spin against backspin. And it does take a while. I remember when I was first learning, that shot for me was hard to get and hard to learn. But, you know, you keep working, keep practicing, and you will get it. And that's when, you know, the game really opens up for you. So um, we've got a couple of videos we might put in the show notes, one on uh, smashing a high ball, and then obviously this video on the forehand topspin against backspin. So take a look at those videos, Nick, and, you know, see if you can get some practice time to work on the forehand topspin off backspin, it will really help your game. Yeah, I think um, I think Jeff, we asked the coach uh, video response on how to play that um, high backspin ball is a premium premium um, response. But yeah, so for our premium members, you can um, yeah get some really good information there. Excellent. All right, and if you're not a premium member and want to get better at your table tennis, consider becoming a premium member. We've got lots of Ask the Coach responses for you, like that one that Alice just mentioned. Plus, we've got heaps on a Serving Secrets course, a Receiving Secrets course, a Training Secrets course, which is a really good course teaching you different drills you can use to improve your table tennis and why the drills improve your table tennis. And it's important to understand that why because then you can start to design your own training drills to work on aspects of your game that you want to improve. Um, we have match strategy uh, lessons, sports psychology lessons, lots of great videos. So check out the premium membership at pingskills.com. All right. Um, Diodone says, I'm not sure if you'll have time for another question, uh, but we do. How much do you think a good loop can cancel of the previous spin? Like if you're not sure about the nature of a spin in a serve, is looping it a good option? Yeah, so when we talk about looping it, um, if you get a really fine, fast contact, it will um, help to negate whatever spins on the ball because uh, because you're touching the ball for a very short amount of time and you're gripping the ball and sending it in the direction that you want to, um, it can um, you can get away with not quite understanding what amount of spins or what type of spins on the ball um, quite well. So yeah, um, often off a long serve, if I wasn't quite sure, I'd, I would just play that really fast, um, 
fine contact. And the ball would have some good dip and some good height and uh, it'd give you lots of safety um, to make you know, that, that judgment. Yeah, I think that's a good point because if you get lots of top spin and you know get that high over the net with the dip, you do have a quite a big margin for error. Um, but I guess you still need to get you know some idea about the spin. Like if it's like a heavy backspin, you think it's top spin. I don't think any sort of loops really going to help you out. No, it's more it's more for the subtle changes. Um, yeah, between whether it's got more top spin or less top spin or or heavier or lighter backspin or, you know, the amount of side spin on the ball as well. So, yeah, that's where it really helps. Yeah, good question. All right. Now, here's one from Friendy, Alice, who says, my coach always won the first rank at the tournament till in his national championships till four years ago. But what makes me surprised is he uses the cheapest rubber, much more cheaper than the other players. He always tells me that it's all about technique. What do you think? I couldn't agree with your coach more. That is perfect advice. Friendy, listen to him. Yep. I mean, um, we bang on about this all the time, but yes, it's really important to understand that technique is so much more important than changing your rubber. Indeed, indeed. I guess the only caveat on that is, Alois, that rubbers do wear out, so you still do need a lot of grip on your rubber. So you want to, if even when you get a rubber, you want to keep it in good condition. And you know, as a guide, they say you know change it every eighty playing hours. Yeah, that's right. And you need to have certain levels of equipment as well, you know, to suit your game. But um, yeah, I mean, changing between you know most rubbers just doesn't doesn't cut it. It's more about your technique. Yep. So wise words, friendy, from your coach. And as I said, listen to his words. <laughs> All right. This question is again, Alice, a really, really good question because it's from Jeff. Um, the smart guy. He said, I just got a new blade and have rubber on one side while the other side doesn't have the rubber on. I played for two hours and I realised that the sweat from my fingers on the back of the blade would be getting into the wood of the blade. Is this okay? Yeah, Jeff, I, I don't think it'll make much difference at all. So um, it's not like the wood is that porous that it's just going to, the, the sweat's just going to sink in and stay there. So, um, yeah, I mean, if, you, if you're playing with it for a few hours, I don't think it'll matter much at all, Jeff. So, yeah, no, that's fine. Um, the only other, the only thing, thing that I would worry about a little bit is so if you if you didn't have rubber on here and it's just the wood and you were hitting the ball really hard perhaps it might you know alter the surface slightly but yeah again not not really I mean you'd really have to be smashing the ball uh, repetitively and consistently so yeah it's pretty much fine just wait till you get your the uh, rubber on the other side I think um, in the extended question you said that um, you, you were just waiting for uh, the sheet of rubber to put on the back end because they didn't have it in stock or something like that. So, yeah, by the time you get that, it'll be fine. You won't, you won't do too much damage. Excellent. All right, next question is from Matthias who says, I noticed that I have difficulties to adapt my starting position, especially with my forehand. I tend to hold my bat too low if the ball bounces a little higher, which results in the ball going long or at least not very fast. 
I try to watch the ball closely. So what advice do you have for Matthias? So Matthias, um, firstly, get your cat off the balcony. It's very, very scary. Um, so Matthias, uh, the, um, the starting position of your bat does need to alter. And you're talking about watching the ball. That's the real key. So watching the ball and tracking it all the way from um, your opponent um, will will start to help you to adjust to your starting position. Think about it like um, you're going to start, you know, maybe that far below your contact point. So wherever the contact point's going to be, you want to start a little bit below that. That's just for a general general stroke so yeah it's a, it, it's just making those slight adjustments it's not it, not um uh big adjustments but it's just slight adjustments um depending on the flight of the ball and the better you watch the flight of the ball coming over the net the the more chance you're going to have to get that right indeed indeed yeah so it sounds like there's a lot of advantages to watching the ball closely alloys um this is something people should focus on um a lot yeah, exactly. Yeah, and just as a as a as a by the way, Matthias's cat's video is now up at around eleven thousand views. I think so. Um, yes, very indeed. Pop- All right, we'll have to put another link in the show notes. If you haven't seen Matthias's cat video, check oh. out the show notes and oh. watch it. It is pretty scary stuff. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Yes. All right, well, that wraps up episode 139 of the Ask the Coach show. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Thanks for all your questions, and thank you, Alois. Thanks, Jeff, and, uh, yeah, looking forward to another show tomorrow. Indeed. Catch you tomorrow, everyone. Bye.